Hey friends, I'm so excited to have my new friend, Trisha Stefankowitz, a registered dietitian, matcha loving, and busy mama on the show today. Trisha has been teaching women how to make healthy lifestyle changes for over 15 years. Her main mission is to walk you through whole health and to empower you to transform your life from the inside out so that you can begin that journey of ultimate fulfillment in who you are and how you show up in the messy, messy life that we're all living. Trisha invites you to fail forward with her one step at a time journey to health, wellness, and self-care. Guys, be sure to check her out. She has an awesome podcast, Whole Health Empowerment Project. You can find her over at iTunes. Today, we are diving in and having a super candid conversation about just being a woman and aging and the hormone changes that come with that, the cultural pressure to look a certain way as we age and how we can best handle that to be the healthiest version of ourselves. It's going to be a good one today and I'm really excited to have her on the show. But before we dive in, I just have to say, so this is episode 50. Y'all, I can't even believe that. (laughs) It's also the year mark from where I decided to actually start this podcast. It was in October of 2020 we were like going back into shutdown and I was getting so frustrated because I was just like, you know, wanting normal life to return like everyone else. And I thought, you know, instead of sitting here feeling frustrated, I'm going to channel this frustration into something productive that gives me life and hopefully opportunity to serve other people. And I had no idea where this would bring me. And I just want to say thank you. I feel so grateful to have this mic and be in your ear and be in your corner and get to be a part of your journey. It has been such an honor and it's something I don't take lightly and I'm really excited for what's coming up and the fun things that are in our future. I've got some killer interviews coming for you guys this month. I also have some fun stuff planned for December because I'm a Christmas crazy girl and I want to bring that with a little nutrition twist for you guys. So be sure you are staying connected and following me. If you are not on my email list, guys, head on over to JessBrownRD.com. Be sure you subscribe because you will be getting lots of goodies in your inbox. There will be freebies, discounts, giveaways, all kinds of good stuff. So be sure you guys are staying connected with me through there. And also wanted to make sure you guys are aware that I have an Ask Jess button on my website. So JessBrownRD.com, click on podcast, you're going to see an orange button, and I want to know what you want to know. Send your questions in, and it's going to really help me bring what you are looking for. All right, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Hey girl, you are amazing, and you possess this unique inner awesome that the world so desperately needs. And guess what? Your body size has nothing to do with that. But I get it. I spent way too many years living in insecurity and I have spent the last decade working with women just like you who have struggled with the same. And when it comes down to it, I think our amazingness becomes all too easily eclipsed by two things. Body bullying, which in turn impacts how we take care of our body. Whether it's over or under eating, over exercising or not moving at all, moving from dieting to anti-diet culture, girl, the pendulum just keeps swinging. I started this podcast because it's time to break up with body bullying and find a way to live balanced in your body. I'm Jess, a body bully warrior, registered dietitian, and food freedom guru. I believe that when we stop letting culture define health, beauty, and what we should and shouldn't eat, we are finally free to live in our own bodies. This podcast is just one of the many resources I have for you ladies. 
be sure to head on over to jessbrownrd.com. Check out my ebook, e-course, supplements, meal plans. Guys, I've got so much more for you and I'm adding to that list on the daily. Are you ready to channel your inner awesome at a whole nother level? Grab a cup of coffee, lace up those running shoes, and let's dive in to today's show. Trisha, I'm so excited you're here today. Uh, so excited to connect with another dietitian on the podcast. We were actually talking before we logged on about all the research. Like we just get to nerd out together about all this stuff. So it's thank so you. Oh, it's so fun, right? <laughs> Yeah, we were laughing. Maybe we should actually record a podcast instead of <laughs> talking about all the research. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me here. I'm just, I'm so excited to be here and to meet your audience. So thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So today we're going to be talking about um, what's happening in our bodies as we start moving towards our 40s, 50s, and start kind of getting in that perimenopausal, premenopausal space. So I know this is a topic that it's kind of, people don't really talk about, but it's happening to all of us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, so super excited to be diving into that today. I know I'm personally super excited because I am perimenopausal. As am I. Oh. so great. Oh man. Half-life right now is Oh man. The roller coaster of being a female. <laughs> We're so excited. I mean, it's I, a good thing, but man, it can be tough. Oh yeah. It's so hard to navigate. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that it's real. And I think it's worthy of being talked about on this podcast. I talk a lot about like diet culture and disordered eating. And I really think there's kind of like this never ending battle for women where first, if we have disordered eating or struggle with eating, there's that, and then that might, you know, kind of subside. And then there's body image stuff. And then once we kind of move past a lot of that, then there's aging. So <laughs> it's so great. Oh. <laughs> We're always up against something. So super excited for this today. Tell me a little bit about what happens in our bodies when we start entering that, that perimenopausal, premenopausal space. Yeah. So thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy to have this conversation because I feel like it's a way that we can normalize what's happening to our bodies. And I think a lot of us talk about, you know, we see celebrities and we, we see people and we think, oh, that's what we should look like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, not taking into account the normal aging process. Right. So I really welcome, you know, talking about this topic so we can normalize it. And so people know what to expect because this is part of the aging process. So, yeah, I mean, most of your forties and then maybe even earlier, as you talked about perimenopause, you know, anywhere in your late thirties or early forties, it could be even, even earlier if you had surgery, um, you know, to remove any of your reproductive organs. So much of this time period is defined by fluctuating or changing hormone levels. Typically, um, hormone levels are fluctuating, but they're stable, right? Mm-hmm. Every week, every month you'll get your period and you know when it's going to come. So there's some stability to that. So as you start to move into the perimenopause, you'll notice that, um, that will be very erratic. So your, um, your hormones oh. are all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. So your hormones are all over the place. And then you'll, you'll notice that there's, a, um, so you'll have a decrease in estrogen and progesterone, the different hormones that you have. And so all of mostly, you know, everything that you experience in your forties going into your fifties is probably somehow going to have an impact and, or be related to your hormones or what's happening in your okay. body related to hormones. Okay. So I'm like moaning over here because 
I mean, my cycle, it's pretty predictable at this point. Like I'm starting to get some of the hot flashes, but at least it's mm -hmm. predictable. Yeah. So I know, okay, every like 28 to 32 days, I'm going to have hot flashes. I'm not going to sleep as well. And I might be kind of a little yeah. crazy, you know, like at least I know that, but it sounds yeah. like there's kind of this roller coaster that you're talking about. Also, I just like have to back up a little bit because you said something that I really appreciated how you were talking about the natural aging process. And I immediately thought of JLo because she just posted this picture of her, you know, fit at 50. Did you see the picture? Oh yeah, she looks amazing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. But my brain immediately went to like, oh, it, okay. So you can look like that if you're 50. And then I had to stop myself because I was like, yeah, Jess, if you had like a personal chef, personal trainer, unlimited financial resources, yeah. you know? So it's not impossible, but it's like, we have to, like accept that there are some things that are happening in the body that, um, you know, might change how our body is and yeah. might not look like JLo. So, I, and that also brings me to the question I know everybody's thinking and like is a little bit taboo, especially because I, I really do, I'm really cautious on how we talk about um, weight in this podcast, but I, I do want to ask the question, is weight gain in menopause something that typically happens? Yeah. So I know I want to try to be really, um, you know, I want to kind of talk about this, but cautiously, sure. Cause we don't want to have the focus beyond weight. So as part of the aging process, yeah. I mean, as you move into, as you start to have more of those fluctuating hormones, your, the hormones, the reproductive hormones are varied, right. And they fluctuate but so too to your hunger and appetite hormones. Mm. And so what happens is, is that you're going to see as you start to go into perimenopause and then into menopause, that you may start to feel like you're snacking more or that you are craving things that you wouldn't normally crave. Mm. So your body's like maybe needing some things that are like, you know, that, that maybe like cookies or ice cream or something like that, that you wouldn't normally crave. And is that because the hunger hormones are higher? Yeah, it's usually the appetite hormones are higher, the hunger hormones, the hormones that control hunger are less. Okay. And so you just have like this imbalance of hormones. And then what ends up happening is, is that for a lot of people too, as we enter our forties, maybe you're not as physically active as you had been previously, mm -hmm. right? So then you take that into account. There also is a change in, um, in fat composition, right? So this mm -hmm. is going to become really important. So typically women um, will start to hold, typically tend to hold subcutaneous fat in their hips. Mm -hmm. And that's really necessary as a woman for reproduction. It serves a, it serves a wonderful purpose of childbearing mm -hmm. and being like little, beautiful, little, <laughs> yes. right. But so what happens is, is as these hormones start to fluctuate, we see this like increase in visceral fat around your abdomen. So you may feel like your clothes might start to feel a little bit different. And mm -hmm. that is because of that change in hormones. So that's, that's happening. So it's kind of like the natural progression is what mm -hmm. you're saying. Yeah. And yeah, so really, you know, in light of what we talk about on this podcast and like diet culture is like this trying to figure out, okay, how do we want to handle that? Because, yeah. you know, if I'm being totally honest, there's a part of me that's like, okay, so you're saying this is a part of the natural process. And the chances of like me maintaining the current body that I have are probably pretty slim because it does change. And like my body truly 
starts to metabolize food differently and hold on to body fat differently. And I, you know, I do appreciate you saying that because I think if we know that we can learn to accept it kind of like, you know, the idea of cellulite. It's like, if we think no women have cellulite, then we might think ours is bad rather than knowing that that's just a natural part of women's bodies. And we can work on, you know, accepting that and, and not putting so much emphasis on it. So in a way it's like, okay, here's our permission slip to know that the body does change and we need to be realistic mm-hmm. about what's happening with our body at different points in time. Yeah. Cause I think it ends up being this like taboo subject that it doesn't have to be, or I think we're fighting against something that maybe is just part of, of the normal aging process. And yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that that, you know, there are some things that we can do and we'll talk about that to make it so it feels much more manageable to you mm-hmm. that there, you know, there are some things, but I think it's just kind of a knowing that it could be a possibility and then be just kind of talking through it so that you can make the choice because it can be different. There can be some lifestyle things that we do um, that might make it a little bit easier, but it's your decisions to make that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's really like putting the power back in you and your choice mm-hmm. and how you want to live in your body. hundred <clears throat> percent. I mean, so when we talk about waking, one of the things that I didn't talk about, but I can, and you'll be really be able to speak to this Jess, um, is the decrease in muscle mass, mm. right? So we've talked about that you have these fluctuating hormones. We've talked about that you, you know, you might be craving things that you wouldn't normally um, and so one of the other things is that you're also going to have this decrease in muscle mass mm-hmm. because for some people, it might be that you're inactive because you're 40 and you're trying to, you have kids and they're, they're trying, you know, you've made them a priority, but because of that, you also will probably have less muscle mass, right. than you maybe did 20 years ago. Well, and, and some of it has to do with the hormone changes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So some of what happens with the hormonal changes is the redistribution of fat and muscle mass right? Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the subcutaneous fat, this visceral fat, but you do have this re- like this redistribution of it, right? And so that is when um, muscle mass becomes important. Again, as we age, maybe we don't have as much metabolic tissue as mm-hmm. previously had. And now we have this redistribution of the fat that's in our body, right? And you can probably speak a little bit more to that too. Well, I'm just thinking like hearing you say this because I'm a dietitian. And yeah. so like, I think of the body so medically now, yeah, you know, you. Yeah. And so I'm hearing the words fat and like the redistribution and I'm truly thinking of it like, oh, how interesting yeah. that our body shifts. And part of it's like, because we're no longer in those childbearing years and mm-hmm. like it, it's a natural part of the aging process. Although I'm thinking of a lot of, um, well, I'm thinking of like my, my deep in co- diet culture self and mm-hmm. a lot of the people that I work with and that I know listen to this podcast and they're probably not hearing this information like the same way you and I hear it. They're like, <gasps> more fat around my abdomen? No, like I don't want that. And so again, I really do think talking about it is helpful because then we can normalize it and say, this is, you're not alone. This happens to all women. Um, But then speaking to the muscle mass, yeah, that's also a natural part of the process and the aging process, but there's some things we can do to at least feel better in our bodies as these changes happen. Um, so could you speak, I know you're you want to talk a little bit about some of like the nutritional risks that come, mm-hmm. but um, before we dive into that, can you talk to a little bit about some of like the specific nutrition things we can do to, to do the muscle mass? Yeah. Just to feel better in this process. Cause now that we've scared everyone. <laughs> I know. I know. Wait, so let me, let's, let's see what you can take this back. So yeah, I think, you know, when you're in this phase, it's just, 
you know, that there is control and there are th some things that we can do, right? So it's not, never, none of this is meant to scare you. And I know that some words like fats are really scary, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I think it's just probably eating like you're already doing. So recommendations are try to just make sure that you're eating some fruits and veggies every day, that you're eating things that have fiber in them. And all of this becomes important because with the fluctuating hormone levels that happen, the reason why I wanted to talk about this, so we've talked about waking a decrease in muscle mass, but why I'm talking about it and not related to anything, you know, that is good or bad is that the progression of that can lead to risk of diabetes development and risk mm. of heart disease. And that's really where I want the focus to be, right? So as you move towards menopause, because of the fluctuating hormones, because of some of the, you know, weight that may happen that you gain, there could be an, an increased risk of diabetes. There are studies that suggest as you move into menopause, there's an increased risk of cardiovascular disease development. And that's because you have less estrogen. So it's not meant to be like, oh my gosh, all of these things are my body. I want you to kind of focus on some of the things that are potentially that could affect you. So many people have diabetes and cardiovascular disease is a really big one. And they think that the research shows that as you, the earlier you enter into menopause, the more your risk for developing it could be. Mm -hmm. And so the focus is really like, what are some of the things that you can do to decrease your risk of cardiovascular disease and diabetes? And so when it comes to diet and, and lifestyle choices, it's things that you're probably already doing. It's making sure that you eat enough fruits and veggies, and it's making sure that you get foods that have really good fiber in them because we know fiber helps keep you satiated and also help it helps with blood sugar levels so that's mm -hmm. really important right I'll talk about I'm going to talk really quick about osteoporosis because that's a really big thing yeah that's huge and so that's when it becomes like that's when the nutrition piece is a really big deal so crazily enough with you know as as you reach menopause I think I have a statistic that talks about how much bone mass we lose so not only do you lose muscle mass, but you decrease bone mass. And there are studies that say that like when you're in your 30s, that's the maximum amount of, of bone mass that you're going to have. Right? Yeah, they yeah. call it like peak bone mass. Mm -hmm. And as you get into menopause, they think studies show that within like five to seven years of menopause, you can lose up to 20% of your total oh my bone density. Gosh. That's devastating. Well, and you know, <clears throat> a lot of the folks that I know um, that I work with and that tune into this podcast have some sort of history of disordered eating, which already puts you at risk for not like maxing out that peak bone mass in yep. your, mm -hmm. your 20s and 30s. So man, to like even like factor in that we're going to lose an, that initial 20%, mm -hmm. man, that's crazy. And it's because of the estrogen levels. You don't have that yeah. anymore because the estrogen levels are decreased. So, so that's where really, you know, in thinking about like appearance, it's really just that's the big thing. I mean, that I think that's right. the most worrisome is that you have this risk of having all this bone mass. Well, what it's making me think is, so I did a podcast a few episodes ago on um, relative energy deficiency in sport. And one of the main things that can happen when people don't eat enough to fuel their activity, whatever their activity is, whether it's walking or hiking or they're a professional athlete, like no matter what, when they fall in that space, they risk bone mass. Yeah. That's like one of the first things. And if, if a female doesn't have a normal period, 
they, we can assume they're not maxing out their bone density. So um, that makes me think like, okay, if we're in our twenties and thirties and we're staying really focused on our appearance and not nourishing our body intentionally and not giving it the tools it needs to, to build strong bones, we're really setting ourselves up you know, for, as we enter menopause, cause, and if we, if we remain focused on what our body looks like, as opposed to what's happening internally, we could even amplify that even farther. Right. Cause we're, yeah, 100%. we might be restricting or not wanting to eat as much because we're feeling our body change and getting hung up on not looking like JLo. And so, yeah. That, and that's scary. Cause man, when we, that bone density is, is well, right. And so then to your point, like there's already a deficit and then mm-hmm. you come in and then it's like now with the hormonal changes, it's like it creates further um, deficit. And so how do you maximize that? So I think in terms of nutrition, it's making sure that you get enough calcium. You need mm-hmm. about a thousand um, milligrams. If you're under 50, once you're over 50 to account for that change, it's about 1200 milligrams, mm-hmm. you know, is eating. So for the folks that, yeah, what the people that yeah. don't know, you know, what 1200 Sorry. milligrams is, what is the, what does that look like in a daily intake? So I would say it's probably about at least two servings a day, right? Okay. Of like um, some, ca- well, wait, before we even start about the calcium, you need vitamin D too. So I think mm. that's a big thing too. So when we talk about calcium, you can do calcium, but you also need to have vitamin D because vitamin D is going to help absorb calcium. So you need both. And do you need sufficient amounts of like serum vitamin D to be able to fully uh, absorb the calcium you're taking in? Or is it just like taking in nutritional vitamin D with, with calcium? Well, I mean, the vitamin D, I feel like gets tricky because the RDA is so low. So the so RDA low. is like, yeah, I think the RDA is like 600, like is the RDA, right? Yeah. I had fractured my hip when I was pregnant with my son. And at the time my surgeon was like, you have to take 4,000. Yeah. 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 But I think it really just I think it just depends on you. I mean, most people are going to, hopefully most people, I'm sure that at this point, they're probably, you probably have a doctor that's checking your vitamin D levels. And so how much you need is going to depend on what your vitamin D levels are. So if you're deficient, you may need about, you know, 2000 IUs or something like that of vitamin D. You're gonna so it is going to be relative to like what your serum levels are. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, it will. It'll be basically like what your serum levels are. And then knowing that depending on where you live and it, what the climate is like and how much sunshine you get, all of that, if you all wear sunscreen, all of that is going is yeah. to come into play. So you could have time periods or you could have, you know, in, I live in the Northeast and so we have seasons. So if it's the winter months, I know that I'm probably vitamin D deficient. You live in New Mexico, it's different, right? So it's just basically going to depend on your serum levels, how much you need, if you need a repletion dose or a maintenance dose of vitamin D. Right. But you need both. You need calcium and vitamin D to maximize your bone strength. So vitamin D would be, I'm a huge advocate for people testing it just for kind of overall health, but it sounds like. Agreed, agreed, 100%. Especially going into menopause, now it's going to be super important that we know what our levels are at so we know how to supplement. Yeah. And the thing is, I think people do like, like, I'm not a big fan of like over supplementing on anything. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of what you need. And so I'm not saying like mega doses of calcium and vitamin D either, because, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're taking a multivitamin, you're going to get calcium and you're going to get vitamin D in there. But I would make sure that you're probably eating about at least two servings of calcium rich foods a day. Okay. So I'm talking about like cheese sticks, whatever you yogurt, whatever you like to do, that you make sure that you're getting something because it's going to be important as you go into menopause. And, and is it important to do like as as you're in menopause? 
Yeah, I mean, it's important all the time to have vitamin D and calcium. Is that what you mean? Yeah, so because like that 20%, so, you know, that's a that's a big number. So if we're kind of, yeah, so if we're setting ourselves up by taking an adequate vitamin D and calcium, um, I'm imagining that we could like mitigate or hopefully decrease that 20% by continuing to take in calcium um, in those menopause years. I think it's like doing it when you're, you know, in your late thirties and when you're still reproducing and then Mm -hmm. continuing it as your body, you know, moves away from the reproduction years. And then also again, like, so you're eating foods that have calcium, you're either taking a vitamin D supplement and you're also eating foods that have um, vitamin D in them. And that is like, you know, the fatty fishes, milks, the fortified cereals, things like that is going mm-hmm. to get vitamin D in there, but you're probably still going to need some kind of supplementation, which is why it's helpful to get it at vitamin D level. Cause then you can figure out how much, instead right. of just like consuming it, you have a kind of a number of what, how much you actually mm-hmm. need. You know, if you're a little bit sufficient, your repletion dose might be very different than if you're very, very deficient. Yes. Yes, Totally. And then also, like, I mean, you, I'm sure you've talked about this on your show that the, the, the other thing with osteoporosis risk is making sure that you're physically active, right? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and maintaining the bone mass that you already have and maintaining your bone health that you already have. So doing physical activity that is using your bones and your muscles, all of that is also going to help um, maintain the bone mass and the muscle mass that you already have. Yeah. 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 That's a, I'm not a a huge advocate for like recommending specific things. I'm really Mm -hmm. someone who likes to, my style is really like, what do you like to do? And let's figure out how to mold in like health supportive behavior changes that are in line with what you like. But I will say there are like two things that I recommend most women do. And that is do some sort of weightlifting, whether it's body weightlifting or you know, it could be more like organic, like rock climbing or something like that. It doesn't have to necessarily be with a barbell, but some sort of like resistance training and protein. Like those are two things that I just think as we move into our later years are going to prolong life and make us feel better as we move through those changes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of research that suggests all that you know, to that mm-hmm. supports all of that information. Yeah. And then just any weight bearing activity, like just walking, whatever you feel like doing, it's just that you're doing something that you feel like is helping your bones and helping right. your muscle mass. Right. Um, and then, you know, another thing that happens when you're in perimenopause or as you're moving through, um, you know, the aging cycle is that stress becomes a really big issue, right? Mm-hmm. So we're trying to manage a whole bunch of things. You're, you probably have kids that you're, you know, that you're trying to take care of, or maybe you have aging parents that you're trying to take care of. So mm-hmm. a lot of times with stress, it creates, it creates a lot of um, inflammation in our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. And so the thing about inflammation is then it, release the stress hormones cause cortisol and then cortisol you know it kind of like impacts the hunger hormones that we Mm -hmm. have and so there's a lot of stuff that goes with stress um and so you know i think in the long run having some kind of stress reduction helps decrease cortisol production and so all of that kind of comes into play too when it comes to i think all of it goes together right yeah like yeah eating how your body wants you to eat and making sure that you're so that you're kind of active and that you get enough sleep and that you manage the stress and i think that's probably what all of us should be doing, whether we're going into our forties or fifties or whatever. Right. I mean, I think that's a benefit for everybody to be doing that. Totally. But it's also helpful to hear that those things do impact some of the changes that we 
are going to experience when we yeah. move on later in life. And I, I think that's really good to hear because the reality is, you know, people go through life. And I love that you mentioned, you know, caring for parents or like there's these things outside of our control that happen sometimes. And, you know, I do believe we're always in charge of our lives and we have the power to make the changes we want to make. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge there are things outside of our control that may impact our capacity to implement some of these changes at the rate at which we feel like we should or shouldn't, you know? So I, I appreciate hearing that all of those things can, can influence the process and know that like, yeah, those things happen. And then I know that when these changes are happening to my body, it's not necessarily because I'm doing something wrong, but it might be just like this culmination of what's going on in my body, externally, all of it. I think it's also recognizing other symptoms that, that come along with, you know, as we age and we go through, you know, menopause, perimenopause, all of that is like, you know, what you mentioned is like the sleeping is a big thing. The hot flashes are a big thing. And with sleeping, I think having some kind of like stress reduction that might help us sleep, having some kind of like, you know, if you're exercising or if you're doing something that kind of takes away from all those emotions, that mm -hmm. also might help you sleep. Um, any of the angst that you feel, you know, in, in terms of like hot flashes, you know, maybe not eating a whole bunch of things that have caffeine in them because that might make it a little bit worse. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the same thing with the drinking. If you're, if you're drinking alcohol, that might hinder your sleep. So it's just, Which, it, both of those, I'm like, oh, two of my favorite things. Same, same. 100% I'm right there with you. But I think it's like, you just choose whatever, like, and it won't be the same. And then there's going to be some people have hot flashes worse, or there's going to be times. So like, I think it's just knowing what to expect and then managing the symptoms as best as you can because even I, these things you may need a doctor to kind of help you along with it because there's so many therapies when it comes to hormones it's not obviously just nutrition right so, right not judging it it's just presenting it as it is and then as you go through it just you know you deciding what works best for you for sure yeah I love that I love that so okay so it sounds like vitamin d and calcium are a must Yep, um, calcium. But moving, check your multivitamin because you're going to have some of that yes. in your multivitamin. That is what I always say. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, well, check your vitamin D level and then check your multivitamin because yeah. yeah, I know I've seen some of the research that like too much calcium is not good either and yeah, when it comes to heart thinking. disease. Yeah, yeah right. Because okay, I used to work with like all heart patients and it's the same thing. Like they're, they're like worried that high calcium levels can hinder mm -hmm. that. So it's like, yeah. So I, I never say, and I'm sure you're the same way. Like I always prefer things to be from food. I'm sure that we practice kind of that same approach. Yep. Yep. And then doing a multivitamin, I think probably most people can do that. And then your calcium and vitamin D just based on, I'm sure like if you're getting DEXA scans and things like that, that might hinder how much calcium, you may already have some idea or some information about how much calcium right. you need. Well, this is where we come in, right? This is why we have jobs because <laughs> we can help people navigate that and yeah. like figure out, okay, based on what you're eating, you know, your multi multivitamin sufficient mm -hmm. or, or we need to add an additional or your lab work or something yep. like that. Yeah. Which is yeah. why we have that. Yep. Okay. So we've got that. We've got, um, fitness, like making sure we're doing some sort of like resistance training, muscle stimulation to keep those mm -hmm. bones and muscles strong, hitting our protein. Is there anything else or any other specific nutrition, consider nutritional considerations that we should have as we move in our forties and fifties? Yeah. So one thing that, that I'm just going to add in here is eye health. Eye, eye health. Tell me. Eye health. So, you know, 
as you move into, like, as you go through the aging process, you may notice um, that you, there's a lot of stuff that goes with hormones, but I think it's also progression of diseases too. So, right. Mm -hmm. So if you're at risk for like diabetes or you already have diabetes, then obviously eye health is something that's important because we want to make sure we're getting enough blood flow to our eyes. Mm -hmm. Physical activity helps with that too. Um, A lot of us spend time on our tablets and we're spending hours and hours a day on, um, on our phones. And so there's a lot of like that blue light. So when it comes to nutrition, it's kind of like limiting screen time, but then there's some nutrition parts of it, like um, eating foods like fishes and nuts that help promote eye health. Your, you know, the normal, your carrots and things like that. Yeah. The vitamin A, the vitamin A. Yeah. But there's also research that supports like um, vitamin C and leafy greens. They think help filter blue light. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's just something to consider. I feel like as menopause comes, I think that women usually tend to get dry eyes too. So you may notice that even if you're not in menopause, just as part of the aging process that you may notice either like dry eyes or that you're straining a little bit. I mean, no, to, to see. So just kind of take that into consideration. And then if you need to see an eye doctor, make sure that you, um, again, like limit the time that you are on your devices and then also wear sunglasses, things like that. So eye health, I think as you, as you age is something, I'm sure that's something that we're all like, Oh no, I (laughs) never have to wear glasses. It's horrible. Nobody wants Well, I, I started squinting in my like mid twenties and it is getting worse. Like I have to, you know, yeah, I have to squint quite a bit, but um, that's really interesting about the blue light. So you said leafy greens and carrots. Is that right? Yeah. So it's like fish and nuts and then vitamin C, vitamin A, and then leafy greens help. So all of these things like eating, I think it's really just eating balanced or eating however you feel like your body, whatever your body. It always goes back to that, right? Like eating just like the fruits and veggies and kind of the Mediterranean style diet, which is still like the number one most researched um, and well-supported diet. But it's funny you say that because um those are some of the specific foods that also support thyroid function, which mm-hmm. is like uh, also involved in balancing our hormones. And so it's kind of like doing a, a lot for us. So mm-hmm. I guess like eat our fish. I'm going to make salmon now this week. I know, I know we're talking about this. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. But, yeah. But I mean, I think like that's the thing is, so it's like more the focus on like our overall health, right. And mm-hmm. the things that I'm sure everybody is already doing. So there's there's a, so there are some things that maybe can be tweaked, but there's also some things that you're, everyone's probably already doing. And so to know that like you're doing enough, you know, and, and there can yeah. just be some little tweaks here and there and that, that, that's okay. Well, um, it doesn't I, have to be this drastic change either. I love that. And I love, and I think the only thing that would really get in the way of that is that like JLo expectation, right. And that, that I'm trying to control my body to not go through a natural process, which can be, can be really hard. So I love that empowerment that you give. It's like, here are the things you are probably already doing. Let's just do more of them because it's going to help you as you navigate through these changes. Cause you know, we went through it in puberty and it was tough then. And now we got to do it all over again in our forties and fifties. So I just, I love that you're, your style is like empowering and bringing in stuff you're already doing. It's like kind of easy in a way. You're like, you're doing it. Just do more of it. Exactly. And I know it's exactly the way that you practice too, or that you believe, because it's like, it's just these small changes that you can make that over time can be something that really makes an impact 
right? So I think that's, you know, if you're already eating a couple fruits and veggies a day, then maybe you just focus on having a little bit, taking a walk today or whatever suits right. you. It's just these small changes that over time and as you age will really make an impact in a way that isn't related to how you look. It's related to your overall health. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Trisha. I just so appreciate your style and how you are supporting women out there building upon the successes that they're really already doing. Keep up the amazing work and can't wait to chat again. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome, Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.